Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Brad Young at your service on KMOX Radio. Thanks for staying up with us this evening. And you've heard me talk about this alarming trend in America today where a select few people, most often on the left, seek to have people fired or shamed or otherwise punished simply for expressing their views that don't necessarily meet the standards of the far left. Cancel culture. That's what we're going to be talking about this hour. And joining us this evening is renowned constitutional law expert and New York Times bestselling author Alan Dershowitz. He's author of the new book, The Case Against the New Censorship. Mr. Dershowitz, welcome to KMOX Radio. Well, thanks. I actually have two books out. One is The Case Against the New Censorship. The other one is called Cancel Culture because the two phenomena operate side by side, and the end result is we're a poor country for it intellectually, politically, democratically, um, and fewer views are getting expressed and more people are being intimidated into holding their views for themselves to themselves. It's just not the American way. You're exactly right. And your book, Mr. Dershowitz, or should I say your books, could not be more timely. Now, we traditionally, at least in the past, think of censorship as, as coming from the government and censoring right. you know, citizens like George Orwell in 1984. But, but as you write in your books, this new censorship is coming from, more often than not, private tech companies. And in fact, just last week, President Trump's banishment from Facebook was upheld by Facebook's internal review committee. So is this the type of new censorship that you're writing about in your books? Yeah. I mean, I wrote the book because this is a new phenomenon. For 50 years, I have been fighting for the First Amendment against government censorship. Um, I started in the 1960s, and I won almost all of my cases because I had the First Amendment on my side. Um, I won the Pentagon Papers case, the Hare case, I Am Curious Yellow, so many of these cases because government has no right to censor speech. But now... Along comes private companies, and they say, wait a minute, we have the First Amendment on our side. We have the right to decide what goes on our platforms. We have the right to decide what to censor and what to publish. And you're going to lose if you go to court because the First Amendment is with us. And that's why I had to write this new book, 
to alert the public to this new danger to freedom of speech using the First Amendment as a shield to protect themselves against charges that they are censoring. You know, we're talking to constitutional law expert Alan Dershowitz. He's got two new books out, including The Case Against Censorship, talking about this cancel culture idea. His other book, of course, is Cancel Culture. And Mr. Dershowitz, I'm an attorney here in St. Louis, and I've noticed from from my uh, perspective and analysis that many of the perspectives of folks today go something like this. And I'm and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but, you know, we know what's right. We know what's wrong. And we cannot even take the risk that a person's incorrect or offensive ideas might lead others astray. So therefore, we must suppress incorrect or offensive Mm -hmm. speech. But isn't this the same rationale that was used by, say, Castro or Stalin or Mao or even Mussolini to suppress free speech? Absolutely. And it's these young people who have no understanding of history, no concern about history. History to them is about dead white men. And they think they know the truth with a capital T. They know for sure that every policeman who kills a black person is guilty of murder. They know that. Uh, They don't have to have a trial or due process. They know that every man who's accused by a woman of doing anything improper of course, is, is guilty. They know every election is fair and every vaccine is good. I might agree with their conclusions, but they conclude from that that they don't need dissent. They don't mm-hmm. need due process. They don't need free speech. They don't need the marketplace of ideas that these concepts of free speech and due process are bourgeois, paternalistic, uh, colonialist, imperialist ways of keeping the uh, the uh, unprivileged down and giving more privileges to the privileged. They think that the First Amendment was designed to give privilege to privileged people because it favors the articulate over the inarticulate, those who are capable of getting their views heard over those who are incapable of getting their views heard. And so they, for the first time in my life, and I've been doing this now for 60 years more, um, they have academics on their side. They have academics Mm -hmm. saying, you know, Censorship isn't such a bad idea. Free speech is not such a great idea. In my view, wow. you know, freedom of speech is like democracy. Winston Churchill put it very well. He said democracy is the worst possible system of governing, except for all the others that have been tried over time. Free speech is the best system of allowing uh, discourse. Except, uh, you know, and it's dangerous. Uh, but it's better than any of the alternatives. You are exactly right. Of course, we're talking to constitutional law expert Alan Dershowitz has two very timely books out, The Case Against the New Censorship and Cancel Culture. And as an attorney, Mr. Dershowitz, I I tend to really get upset about these uh, uh, infringements on due process when we're talking about this idea of cancel culture. But from your perspective, what are some of the dangers, including due process, as we move down this road of censorship? Well, first of all, it just doesn't allow change. Uh, If there's one set of ideas that are correct, uh, they're the ones that will prevail. And remember, it spreads beyond political ideas. In Castro's Cuba and Stalin's uh, Russia and Mao's China, they determined what music could be heard, what art could be seen. um, They determined what ballets can be danced. Uh, Once you give the censor the power, whether it's a private or public censor, The appetite of the censor is voracious. It's never satisfied because you can always find a reason for showing 
why this play or this song or this uh, uh, novel is going to do harm to uh, the utopia that they see. I think a lot of these young people have a view of utopia in which there's no dissent, in which everybody agrees with them. And if you live in such a utopia, there's just no need for free speech and no need for uh, due process. The problem is we live in a dystopia where everybody Mm -hmm. disagrees. And there's never been a greater need for uh, different points of view. Let me give you an example recently that occurred to me. So Bobby Kennedy, the son of the former attorney general, is an environmental lawyer, a terrific lawyer, and he's also a skeptic about vaccines. And I am less of a skeptic. I'm a believer in science, and uh, I've been vaccinated, and I urge others to get vaccinated. So he challenged me to debate. We had a great debate for over an hour, which we talked about science and technology and law and medicine and constitutionality, and thousands of people watched it. Many people changed their minds and wrote us emails. And then YouTube took it down, saying Dershowitz was right, Kennedy was wrong. We don't want people to hear Kennedy's views. We want them to hear Dershowitz's views. And I said, no, no, this is a debate, and I want to win it, but I want to win it on the merits, not by a technical lockout. And so we moved the debate over to Rumble, where many, many, many fewer people could watch it, but still... Uh, We do have ways of fighting back against the new censorship and alternative media like Rumble, like, you know, talk radio or podcasts uh, uh, are are the way to fight against this. Mm -hmm. The other way to fight against this is to repeal Section 230 or change it, at least, of the decency communications. And uh, that gives platforms immunity from being sued because it was believed at the time the statute was enacted. That platforms were just platforms, just opportunities for others to say what they wanted and that the platform itself shouldn't be held responsible for the content that's on it. And that was correct at the time. But now that these platforms have become mm-hmm. publishers, you know, Facebook has its own Supreme Court now, uh, you would think that 230 wouldn't apply to them. And I know there's some legislative consideration for amending 230 to require all media to pick and choose whether they're going to be a censor or not. If they're a censor, then they can't get 230. And if they get 230, then they can't censor. Yeah, I've seen that and I've followed that and I've I've spoken out publicly in, in favor of modifications to Section 230. But I want to get your opinion on another possible remedy. And I noticed sure. that Justice Clarence Thomas recently authored yeah. an opinion that was attached to the dismissal of the Knight First Amendment Institute versus Trump. And that was the case where folks were arguing that that President Trump could not block someone on Twitter when he was using it yeah. for his official communications. Now, Justice Thomas argued that since today's social media operates like a monopoly, it could be regulated like any other monopoly, such as power companies or natural gas companies. Do you think that opinion has legal merit? It's interesting, and it should be studied. There's an enormous difference under our Constitution between power companies and speech companies. Uh, Power companies have no First Amendment rights, so there's no countervailing consideration. I would hesitate long and hard before giving the government the power to regulate uh, uh, YouTube or, or Twitter. Now, if they get predatory and monopolistic, then there are ways of dealing with that, short of dealing with their content. But I would be loath to give the government the power over private companies to regulate free speech. So we have to always consider what you wish for and whether 
what you wish for will be worse than the current situation. But it's worth studying. I thought that uh, Thomas's opinion was one of the most interesting opinions on the First Amendment in recent years, and probably one of Justice Thomas's most interesting opinions. You, again, we're talking to uh, constitutional law expert uh, Alan Dershowitz. He's got two extremely timely books, The Case Against uh, New Censorship and Cancel Culture. And you mentioned a few moments ago, Mr. Dershowitz, the, the Facebook Internal Review Committee. I think you called it Facebook's own internal Supreme Court. But last week they upheld the ban on President Trump, but the review committee failed at least from my perspective, to identify any objective standards by which individuals can be judged to violate Facebook's policies. Now, here's my question. Why couldn't Facebook simply adopt the standards outlined by the U.S. Supreme Court in Brandenburg versus Ohio that false or even reprehensible comments are constitutionally protected if they're not designed to incite immediate violence? Wouldn't that work even for private companies? I think it would. But today, if you look at the standards that are set out in YouTube and and Twitter and um, Facebook, I think the Lincoln-Douglas debates would be taken down. Mm. I actually this weekend went back and read the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and I had read them in college. But uh, when you read them now, it's quite shocking because, you know, Douglas obviously was advocating slavery. That would be taken down. But Lincoln was saying free the slaves and send them to Liberia because— there's no way that black slaves can ever compete with white people. Whites are superior. I mean, he was expressing white supremacist point of view back in 1859. Uh, that would probably be taken down. I think the debates over the Constitutional Convention uh, in the last part of the 18th century would probably be taken down. Uh, so, you know, you have to ask yourself whether or not the tradition of American debate and dialogue uh, would be today allowed on YouTube. I used to debate with some regularity um, Bill Buckley, who was a leading conservative thinker, mm-hmm. and uh, he called me his favorite liberal, and I called him my favorite conservative. And <laughs> we debated so many issues, and then, of course, we'd go out and have a drink afterwards. Of course. Uh, you can't do that today because I defended President Trump, even though I voted for you know Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. But because I defended President Trump, all of my liberal friends on Martha's Vineyard have stopped talking to me. I lost 20 pounds on what I call the Trump diet because nobody invites me to dinner anymore. <laughs> well, my, my law partner in my office here in St. Louis has a house on Martha's Vineyard, and, uh, and I think he would be in that particular group as well, Mr. Dershowitz. Hey, uh-huh. uh, I appreciate you giving us some time. I've got one last question sure. for you. You, you mentioned this a little bit a few moments ago, but this new censorship isn't really just limited to tech companies. I mean, universities across oh, the country, yeah. formerly bastions of free speech, now routinely prohibit conservative speakers from appearing on campus and even professors who, who dare to express opinions that go against the liberal oligarchy are just threatened with termination from their teaching positions. How well, even liberal professors, yeah. even liberal professors like me, uh, there are efforts to ban us. Berkeley tried to ban me. Uh, there were efforts to have me not allowed to speak at uh, Johns Hopkins University. And these are very good universities. Uh, Brooklyn College, which is my alma mater, has had every anti-Israel speaker in the country speak, but no department will invite me to make an argument in favor of the right of the nation state of the Jewish people to exist. So, uh, you know, you get that kind of bias today on many college campuses. What's worse, though, is that you have professors today who are writing essays 
saying censorship is a good thing. Free speech is a bad thing. It's patriarchal. It's it's designed to keep the privileged privileged, and it's against the underprivileged. And for the first time in my lifetime, you see academic arguments against freedom of speech from people of the extreme left. And, of course, as they're they're educating the students, Mr. Dershowitz, we're now creating an entire generation of college graduates who also believe the same, that that censorship is good and free speech is bad. Right. And people forget that the kids, that the people who burned the books, the first people who burned the books in Munich in 1933 were college students. Uh, College students have been on the forefront of some of the worst movements in the world, uh, fascism, uh, communism, uh, and and other uh, forms of repression. So just because people are young doesn't make them smart or right. And uh, every argument has to be considered on the merits. And that's what free speech is all about. That's exactly what it's all about. Alan Dershowitz, author of two extremely timely books, The Case Against the New Censorship and Cancel Culture, joins us this evening on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Mr. Dershowitz, thanks for joining us this evening on Camo X. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, we'll be back right after this. Dependable. Traffic and weather together on the 10s. Weekday mornings on The Voice of St. Louis. KMOX. Brad Young, at your service here on KMOX. What'd you think of Alan Dershowitz? I mean, he's a guy who uh, is, is known as a constitutional law expert. I like him because he identifies as a Democrat, but he argues for things that today's Democrats are just against more often than not, and that is free speech. We want to shut it down. I don't understand that. You know, the ACLU in the 1970s defended uh, the Ku Klux Klan, and and I, I, I couldn't disagree more with the Ku Klux Klan, but they have the right to say what they want to say as long as they're not inciting violence. What did you think of Alan Dershowitz, and what do you think of cancel culture? Is it real? Or is it something that just uh, modern-day conservatives are making up to have talking points? What do you think? Phone lines are open, 314-436-7900. Text line is not available tonight, but we do want to hear your opinion on the phones tonight. 314-436-7900 on At Your Service, X. Brad Young will be back right after this. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. I thoroughly enjoy talking to uh, constitutional law expert Alan Dershowitz, and he raises big ideas, big subject matters. You know, not. What did Trump do today? Not whether Biden's got dementia or not. I mean, those things are kind of fun to talk about, uh, both of the topics, but but they're not big ideas. And what Alan Dershowitz was talking about is a big idea that affects the direction of our country and it affects the, the health of our democracy. These are big topics to discuss. And they have applications, even though they're great big ideas, they have applications to you right now. If you're If you're a user of Facebook, what we talked about this evening applies to you. If you have a Twitter account or if you like to upload or even watch videos on YouTube, this idea of censorship and cancel culture affects you and impacts you directly. 
We're not just talking about people who argue cases at the Supreme Court. We're talking about anyone with a cell phone and a social media account. So who does that encompass? I mean, <laughs> who doesn't have those things? Well, you know, my my black lab uh, does not have a, uh, a social media account, mainly because, you know, she's a black lab. She doesn't have opposable thumbs. So, you know, without opposable thumbs and without a, uh, a dictation software that translates dog barks to English, uh, our pets are just about the only ones that don't have social media. But if you've got some thoughts or ideas on this, Phone lines are open, 314-436-7900. And we're going to be talking about this for the better part of this hour because it is a big, major topic. And frankly, I want to hear what you have to say about it, how it impacts you. Now, uh, in the next hour, we're going to be talking to Ray McCarty. He's the he's the president and CEO of Associated Industries of Missouri. And uh, and he'll be talking about jobs in Missouri. He'll be talking about uh, uh, he'll be talking about uh, the legislation coming out of Jefferson City about how that's going to impact us with when we deal with future pandemics. And uh, it's really funny. Nathan, our uh, producer, Nathan, just handed me a note that a lot of people make Instagram pages for their dogs. Well, they have to do that, Nathan, because again, the dogs don't have opposable thumbs, so you know the people have to do it and. And uh, it would probably be less crazy if the dogs themselves did it. <laughs> of course, you know, if my dog did an Instagram page, Nathan, it would all be about squirrels, squirrels, and squirrels. That's really, frankly, what it would be about. Oh, and other dogs in the neighborhood. Oh, and by the way, there goes a squirrel. So that would be pretty much the uh, the, the topic of my dog's uh, Instagram page. But uh, uh, but in the next hour, we will be talking to Ray McCarty. And also, you know, yesterday was Mother's Day. And uh, uh, we're going to we're going to talk about an interesting comment from uh, newly elected congressperson Cori Bush when it comes to uh, her views on on uh, Mother's Day. And uh, and there's also an index that's come out. This is stuff we'll talk about next hour. But there's an index that comes out every year that talks about how and analyzes what would be the value of a mother if that mother had to get paid according to her uh, the value of those services on the open labor market. And all the jobs, think about all the jobs that mothers do. So I'm going to break that down and then we're going to uh, we're going to discuss motherhood, what it's worth, and how it's ranked now in terms of uh, the value of the services presented. Because you know what? Mothers don't ever get enough credit. But again, in the meantime, cancel culture, 314-436-7900. And let's see, if I can go to uh, Ron. Hey, Nathan, can you pull up Ron? I'm having a little problem doing that. Hey, Ron, welcome to X. Thank you. Um, I normally agree that there should be free speech without censorship, but I draw the line when people like Trump incite hatred and violence. There are other open avenues to talk about hate and violence, such as Fox News. Therefore, <laughs> there is no there is no monopoly uh, on um, censorship because there are other avenues for people to get their hate and violence. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, Ron, is that you're against censorship, 
your agreement with the free speech, except when it comes to President Trump, and those things should not apply to him. That's what I'm hearing. Um, really hate and violence. And anybody that espouses hate and violence, whether it's Trump or anyone else, I, uh, I think the private uh, companies should have a right to prohibit that kind of uh, content uh, on their, uh, their media avenue. Well, I, and I'm not agreeing for the purpose of our conversation that what Trump has been tweeting is, is hate and violence. But just for discussion purposes, even if it does constitute hate speech, hasn't the U.S. Supreme Court upheld, it, upheld time and time and time again that hate speech is still nevertheless protected speech? Haven't they done that? But I think in that case, the hate is tied with violence. And you can't yell fire in a theater. And I think it's very relevant. That's true. So so when Maxine Waters said that we need to take to the streets and we need to uh, we need to be rioting in Minneapolis if we don't get the right verdict. So what I'm hearing is you would agree that at least from your perspective, that speech can be censored as well. I think you misquoted uh, Miss Waters. Oh, well, I, I think that's pretty much exactly what she said. Uh, whenever, that's, your, that's your interpretation. Whenever she's talking about intimidating people, uh, whenever we have uh, uh, social media accounts that are, are that are advising BLM people to go into restaurants and intimidate and harass diners, uh, anyone who advocates that, you're, I guess you would be against that type of speech as well. I would be against anyone who tries to incite violence, regardless whether it's Democrats or Republicans. Okay, but but especially if it's Donald Trump. <laughs> well, he's the, he's the one that uh, seems to revel in that kind of speech. So, yeah, I, I think he just incites it. And uh, I think that he should be censored from a private company such as Facebook. All right. And if people like that, they can go to, you know, the uh, Fox News and... Or, or uh, MSNBC. You know, there's a lot of hate speech on MSNBC. I don't watch MSNBC. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Uh, try to stay away from that. Hey, Rod, appreciate you calling in this evening on Camo X. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, it's interesting that this whole idea of cancel culture um, also has implications for due process. Now, what do I mean by due process? If you're arrested, if you're charged with a crime, the process of determining whether you're guilty or innocent is what we refer to as due process. And so with that in mind, and we're going to be coming up here in a break in a moment, I can't get this in before the break, but one of the things that I want to talk about after the break is how this cancel culture idea impacted the Derek Chauvin case. I think it directly impacted the Derek Chauvin case. And I'm not saying Derek Chauvin is guilty. I'm not saying that he's innocent. From a procedural standpoint, frankly, it doesn't matter. Because whether someone is guilty or innocent, they are entitled to a fair trial. I mean, what we despise in this country is the concept that says, let's give them a fair trial and then we'll hang them. Yet, wasn't that pretty much what the country's consensus was about Derek Chauvin? Let's give them a fair trial and then we'll hang them. I mean, President Biden himself said that we need to make sure that that jury presents with the right outcome. He, he wasn't talking about an acquittal. He wasn't talking about a, a right outcome of having due process. He was talking about a conviction. 
And to me, I just have a lot of problems with that. So we've got some callers calling in. Appreciate that. We'll get to some of those calls in just a moment. We're coming up here on a break. Brad Young on X at your service. We'll be back right after this. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Just like Pat Benatar is singing in this song, you can hit me with your best shot. I want to hear about what you think, what you think about cancel culture. 314-436-7900. And Dave's been holding for a while, but uh, why don't you see if you could pull that up there, Nathan. Dave, welcome to Camo X. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think that uh, the previous gentleman probably didn't talk too much about those people who were yelling and screaming burn it down, tear it down, yep. and it's, and do, do all the destruction. And, and by the way, ripping people off, stealing things, hmm. uh, that's okay because that's Democrats. Democrats are like that. They can, they can rob a bank or kill somebody, and they think they should go free. And these any kind of laws uh, stuff should only apply to conservative people who, who really respect laws. Mm-hmm. And um, a true conservative person always respects the law. They respect the law officers. If I get pulled over and I've gotten pulled over, I'm not stupid. I did, I put my hands up on the wheel and um, waited for him to come forward. What? And, what? And, you mean you don't wait, Dave? You, know, you mean you don't start fighting with the police officers and then try to speed away? No, they pull by the way, I'll, you don't tell do you what, I'll tell you what happened. When I, I was speeding and, um, and I was, you know, I needed, I guess, I deserved a ticket, so he came up and uh, after he, you know, told me I'd give me your ID and so forth. I then I got in my wallet, and sometimes I've actually, you know, I actually had it more than once. So, <laughs> but, not, not, but I would try to get my wallet out ahead of time. But uh, anyway, so I'd get my wallet out and you know just hand him a uh, driver's license. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said, you know, you're speeding. I said, yeah, I know I was. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. No, you blanky blank. I wasn't speeding. That's you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't do that. The guy's got a rough enough job the way it is. Yes, yes, But also, you know does. what? When it was done, he gave me a ticket. When it was done, I thanked him. And I said, you know, I appreciate you out there doing your job. I know it's a hard job to do, but we need you out there. And, you know, I got the ticket and I had to handle it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but Take I'm sure that, that, that I'm sure that police officer though appreciated your comment, Dave. But when you were talking about some of those examples, let me give you my favorite example. I love how uh, this past summer, and I shouldn't say the word love because I'm going to talk about something that's not pretty. But last summer, when we were having all of the riots after the George Floyd incident, uh, you know, I don't mind peaceful protest. I'm a strong supporter of the First Amendment. But what would make me howl, Dave? And you probably had the same reaction, is when the mainstream television media would be standing in front of a building uh, that was on fire. There would be a building on fire, and they would say, oh, it's a peaceful protest out here today. And they'd be standing in front of flames, and they would say, oh, it's a peaceful protest. No, it's not. If there's a building on fire, it's not a peaceful protest. Not just that, but there is more than one lot. Some of those times there's more than one. They're going, uh, most of all, it's peaceful protest, but there is a fire back there. You know, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> the city's burning down. And by the way, they're still firing off fireworks at police officers. Yes. You ever have a firework fired off at you? I did when I was a kid. We used well, to fire, I did too. Sometimes 
Well, you know, kids would do that sometimes. They'll fire bottle rockets at each other. You yeah, know, I did that too, Dave. When I was in Boy Scouts, we would shoot bottle rockets at each other because we were we didn't we were stupid. That's why we did it. <laughs> That's what it is. But they're but they're old enough to know it. It's not just stupidity. Right. It's partly that, but it's also partly spoiled rotten little brats. You know, in a sense that they you need know, to get off your ass to get a job and work, and you'll figure it out. You know, be a, more of a conservative thinker, not a these liberals who uh, just think everything should be given to them all the time. Like the previous caller, I think, is that way. Well, you, anyway, you, might, you might be right I'm on that, passing Dave, the judgment. But, but uh, hey, I appreciate you calling in this evening on Cam. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your show, by the way. You oh. do a good job. Oh, we all, you're welcome. I appreciate hearing that. Always enjoy hearing that. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, you have a and good I evening. I didn't get a ticket. Oh, well, that's even good, too. And, and you know, if you had gotten a ticket, of course, I'm always in favor of people hiring attorneys because, you know what, attorneys got to eat. You know, I got I got kids in college. Yep. I got to pay for that. So make sure well, you, you, uh, you you take care of your local attorney. That Well, that's the way to handle because it it's cheaper because then your insurance won't go up. Bingo. Man, you know, I need to put you on a billboard, my friend. That's a great advertisement. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, it saves you all the time. Boy, it saves you a lot of money. Wow. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be calling you. Hey, thanks for calling All righty. All right. Good night. All right. Easy. Bye-bye. You know, and one of the one of the things I didn't get a chance to get into, but uh, it, we, we mentioned briefly about Derek Chauvin. And I'm going to read you this quote because it, it uh, I'm going to trick you with this quote. But here's a here's a fantastic quote that I found. And I'm quoting. I very seriously doubt if the petitioner has had due process of law because the trial taking place in the presence of a hostile demonstration and seemingly dangerous crowd, though by the presiding judge to be or thought by the presiding judge to be ready for violence unless a verdict of guilty was rendered. Now, what I just read to you sounds like a perfect description of the Derek Chauvin trial, but but no, it was not. Actually, that was from a trial of Leo Frank. He was uh, he was Jewish. He was convicted of a murder in 1913, and there were mobs of racist white people who were out there who were demanding that Leo Frank be convicted, and then they were going to hang him. And his uh, appeal went up to the Court of Appeals and ultimately to the Supreme Court, where the great Oliver Wendell Holmes was arguing against, or in favor, rather, of having him to have procedural due process. In other words, Oliver Wendell Holmes was arguing at the Supreme Court in 1913 that if you have a mob who is demanding a certain verdict and they want to kill the guy because of what they think he's already done, that is not due process. And yet it almost perfectly describes what was going on outside of the Derek Chauvin trial. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying Derek Chauvin's innocent. I'm not saying that he's guilty. He was found guilty by a jury. And if he did not get procedural due process, he should get a new trial. But when you have mobs of people, when you have the president of the United States, when you have Maxine Waters demanding, in fact, I got the quote, she said she told protesters to stay on the street and get more confrontational until we get the right verdict. And that is not due process. And that's the big issue that that uh, uh, that Alan Dershowitz was getting into, because when you get to this idea that people need to be convicted, they don't need to have representation. They don't need to have a fair trial. We know what they've done. Let's convict them and get on with it. 
when you have that mentality, then there truly is no freedom because the government has the power to lock you up and throw away the key. Right now, Derek Chauvin's probably going to have a life sentence in prison uh, because even if he's not sentenced for life, there's a great chance he's going to be killed while he's in prison. And you know what? There are a lot of people in America that are perfectly fine with that. I'm not, not because he's white, not because he's a cop, but I, I would feel the exact same way about Leo Frank in 1913, who was, a, who was a Jewish man who was convicted because a white mob was out there yelling and screaming and demanding his conviction. So when you t- put all that together, there is an enormous due process component. I know we've got some folks holding. We're coming up on a break. Hopefully you can stick around through the break because I want to get your opinion on this topic. Because uh, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who once said years ago, she said, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and simple minds discuss personals, personalities and people. And so we've we spent the last four years saying Trump did this and Trump did that. But I want to talk about ideas because great minds discuss ideas. And the idea of this cancel culture is that if we don't get this under control, freedom in America could be a thing of the past. And I, I kind of like freedom. I think you do, too. I'm expressing a First Amendment right now, and I want to keep it. Brad Young here on At Your Service on KMOX. We'll be back right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.